It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. Today our guest is Andrew Johnston. He's the executive director and founder of an organization called Jazz Empowers. The mission of this organization is to transform the lives of youth in underserved schools through jazz education. What I like about playing in a jazz band is I get to make things, I get to get music that I never thought I would be able to make. The music that we make makes me think differently and have feelings throughout the music. I'm really happy here. It kind of gives like an escape to like, you have all this stress going around at school. And it's like all these tests, all these things that they haven't prepared for. It's stressing you out. It's good to know that you have a good release. And when you come there, you're just having fun. And it's still a class, but you're having fun. You can kind of relate it to jazz, how everyone kind of like, everyone has their own thing, their own flavor they add to it. But once they all come together, they all improvise and we all work together to create something that's awesome. My name is Dr. Ali Liddell. I've been at Memphis Central High School for the past 12 years. Memphis Central is the oldest high school in the city of Memphis. It has a strong tradition, but you know, it went through some down years. I came in to try to build things back up and get the jazz program and the whole band program back. I love the students, love what we're doing here at Central High School. Jazz Empowers have the organization has benefited my program immensely because there are things that these students would probably not be able to experience without the financial and just the moral support even from Jazz and Powers. I was lucky enough to be brought on with Jazz and Powers at the moment that my jazz program was really, really starting to get good and at the moment where I needed support as their band director. Without Jazz and Power support, we wouldn't be able to bring in artists like this. I mean, we're a Title I school, and the funding for outside artists like this, it just isn't there. And on that note, Andrew, thank you for joining us here today on All That's Jazz. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me, Alan. So I must say, first of all, that I was intrigued on a recent visit to Nashville. And going to Nashville, one would hardly expect to find great connection to jazz, but there is. And it starts, I think, with your organization. First of all, you are based in Nashville, Tennessee. And did I get the mission correct? Yes, you did. That's that's our mission statement. Essentially, we, we're all about um, starting and growing jazz programs in underserved schools in Nashville and all across the country. You yourself are a musician. You are a trombone player. But Tell me about, first of all, the, the establishment or the development of Jazz Empowers. Uh, where did that come from? Yeah, definitely. So I first really started getting the idea for Jazz Empowers when I was back in college. I went to college at DePaul University in Chicago. And when I went there, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, but just really loved jazz and trombone a lot. And kind of fell into a dual degree program um, double major in jazz trombone performance and nonprofit arts management. And I really fell in love with the nonprofit side of things. Also, when I was in Chicago, did a lot of kind of like social justice work and really just try to figure out ways of how I could go through and mold my 
connection with jazz and education and nonprofit to kind of make a difference. So throughout college, I kind of came up with the idea of just rough idea of doing a jazz program where we go into underserved schools and do jazz bands because um, just being really involved in the jazz scene, I knew a lot of city schools specifically were not having a lot of jazz programs in their school in Chicago. And as we've seen down here in Nashville, not a ton of the high schools have jazz programs. So definitely saw there was a big need for that. And yeah, just decided to start exploring to start it up when I was in college, but realized I need a little bit more experience in the education sector. So after I graduated college, I joined Teach for America. I moved down here to Nashville for that and got placed at a high school and taught actually math and music for the two years. And I ended up staying at that same high school teaching for another five years before I went on full-time with Jazz and Powers. Well, of course, uh, math and music sort of go hand in hand, don't they, in terms of timing and so many other uh, mathematical elements that are really tied into music. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know a lot of musicians that have gone on to be computer programmers and um, just teaching literally both subjects the same day. I could definitely see the link, um, specifically kind of the theoretical aspect of music. There's just such a... Um, strong connection there. When you were developing this program, which has a focus on underserved schools, why in that direction versus an overall serving of uh, youth orchestras anywhere in the U.S.? Uh, why the underserved schools? Why is there this disparity to begin with? So the reason we really wanted to have our specific mission being underserved schools is because we just saw there was a really big gap with music programs and jazz programs in underserved schools. Um, and we kind of define underserved schools as Title I schools, which is the federal designation of a school that serves a high proportion of students growing up in poverty. And in college, playing a lot, a lot of different high school jazz festivals, and then teaching at an underserved school when I moved down to Nashville, I just realized that a lot of the jazz programs at the regional jazz festivals, national jazz festivals, students coming, going to like the all-state jazz bands, a lot of them are coming from uh, the wealthier schools in the city, in the suburbs, and a lot of underserved schools were just not being represented at those festivals. And after kind of just coming up with that observation, we've done some digging on the numbers and that's backed it up with that kind of claim. So we really saw there was a big need for that, specifically within jazz and music education, but really kind of that inequity is applied in most things, unfortunately, in education. The more financial resources a school or student has, the more opportunities they have. So we wanted to come in and provide that extra boost to schools and students going to Title I schools to buy them more opportunities to have a really strong jazz program at their school. Was there a particular school or someone in your life that put you on this path and said, you know, we've got these underserved schools, we have these students that are clamoring for music, or maybe we could use music as a tool for development and education? Probably two of the people that really influenced me the most were my middle school and high school band directors. You know, I grew up and went to a public Title I uh, middle school and high school and just luckily they happened to be 
you know, some of the top middle school and high school jazz programs in the country. So I had amazing experience in middle school jazz band playing 40 gigs a year, going on to high school, going to be able to play at Jazz and Lincoln Center and festivals, Monterey Jazz Festival. I'm just having so many opportunities, um, even though I was going to a Title I school. And then, you know, when you're in middle school and high school, you don't really think too much of that. But after graduating high school and college, and then when I really started getting into education when I did Teach for America, um, I realized how lucky I was to go to a Title I school that had strong jazz program and just really kind of wanted to see that become the norm at schools across the country. Well, of course, uh, I think somewhere on your website, there is a, a notation that only 39% of middle and high schools actually have a music program within the United States. Yeah, so that's 39% of public charter schools, most of which would serve lower income populations. So one of our main programs is our charter school program, and we developed that because of that statistic. 39, only 39% of middle school and high school charter schools in the country have a music program, period. Um, and when we started that program back in 2015, there's 30 charter schools in Nashville. None of them had any type of instrumental music program, and all of them served low-income populations. So um, we saw there was a really big kind of glaring need just for programs in general, specifically within the charter school realm, which is why we started our charter school program. And essentially what we do in that program is we go into Title I charter schools in five different cities, Nashville, New York City, Chicago, New Orleans, Los Angeles, and we bring in and hire a local jazz instructor to teach the jazz band two to three times a week. We provide brand new instruments for all the students and um, we do a jazz program literally from scratch. So these schools don't have a band program and we have a curriculum that we've developed, which is essentially kind of beginning band in a jazz band context. So while they're learning the first couple notes on their instrument, they're learning how to improvise on those first three notes and play with a rhythm section. And we try to incorporate so many jazz aspects to their playing while they're learning their instrument for the first time. And we kind of started that whole program and had a lot of demand for that program just because there are so many charter schools in the country that don't have any type of instrumental music program for their students. So when you were developing this program, which is a very commendable and valiant effort on your part, how, how did you put together the model for how this might work? Or did you have help or did you start getting people to buy into the program or go to fellow musicians or educators and say, hey, man, we, there's a void here that needs to be filled. Would you like to be a part of the ride? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, a big part of our team is our board of directors. So we had a great board of directors um, that helped found the organization back in 2014. They helped kind of get the program up and going with me. And then to really for the charter school program specifically, we started a pilot program with two different charter schools here in Nashville that was specifically funded through individual donations. And we had an idea for the charter school program and just wanted to pilot out to see if it was something feasible. And we had 
some really good success during that first year of the pilot program and learned a lot. And since then, we've been kind of slowly scaling up, going to other cities, finding cities that we feel like are a good fit for the program, for a variety of different factors. And specifically in Nashville, in most of our schools, just finding the right instructor for the school is so important. Finding a jazz musician that you know is a great musician, but also has the the teaching skills to be able to teach students specifically at a beginner level. Um, and we rely heavily on those musicians. They're ones doing the teaching every day in that program. So we spent a lot of time going into our networks to find those different musicians. Specifically when we started, we hired um, a local saxophone player here in town, Javon Coelho, who's an amazing musician and had a music education degree, fantastic educator, who's really excited about what we were doing. So he was our first instructor and we've kind of just keep on looking for instructors like Javon and all of our other strong instructors to lead our programs. This started in Nashville, but now it has spread to some 26, 25 states uh, with over 1,400 students involved into it. How did you spread the word? So we started off kind of with our charter school program, which is focused on five cities. And then a couple years later, we saw there is you know, a big need just for band directors at regular Title I public schools, needing more financial resources, needing more professional development on how to teach jazz, since a lot of band directors are classically trained and don't have a really extensive background in jazz. So one of our other programs is our band director support program, where you give out grants and other financial resources to band directors to kind of help get their program to the next level. So we'll bring in world-class clinicians to work with the band as they prepare for the Centrally Ellington competition, other top competitions that they're working to apply for. We'll provide instruments that they need. And then our other third program is an online professional development community for band directors. So like I said, a lot of band directors are classically trained and feel like they just need a lot of professional development to help them with teaching their students jazz. So we've developed an online resource site specifically meant for band directors, teaching them how to teach jazz better and having a lot of comprehensive resources on there. And that's really a way that we've been able to expand to multiple states outside of the typical five cities that we had been working in. And we have 200 different band directors that are part of that cohort, online cohort. And it's just been a great opportunity to kind of expand our impact and our reach and just spreading everything that we've learned from doing our charter school program and teaching our band directors throughout the last seven, eight years. How is this program funded? Uh, what's your uh, support mechanism in place? Great question. So our main funding source is from the charter schools. So the charter schools that we work with, they pay us a flat programming fee that covers the basic operational cost of the program, which we found to be really effective at making sure that the schools are invested in the programs as well as us and our instructors. So that's the main funding source from us, but we also rely heavily on individual donations. We're doing our individual donation end of year campaign right now. Also working on getting more funding from grants, which 
that's not a huge portion of what our funding is since we are a newer, newer organization, but that's something we're definitely trying to expand our reach and get more grants to kind of fund our programs so we can reach more and more schools and more and more students. So you are a 501c3 a nonprofit? Mm-hmm. Yes, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And that would account for the fundraising and the opportunity to gain support and a buy-in from the general public and people involved in the music. And speaking of the music, why jazz? What's the important aspect, in your opinion, about jazz that makes it so compelling or important for people to immerse themselves in that idiom? Yeah, definitely. Great question. So for me personally, I fell in love with the music back in middle school and high school, largely due to the improvisational aspect of the music. Just being able to improvise, I felt like I had more freedom than playing in concert bands and everything was just written out for me. And I could make up my own part, my own solo, kind of have that melody, which typically you don't get too much in like a trombone in a concert band setting. And I think that's something that is a huge benefit for our students, having them the ability to improvise and play music that's heavily improvised. Another thing that I feel like is really important for teaching jazz in American schools, it's really one of our greatest contributions to the world as far as like an art form. You know, born in New Orleans, going to Chicago, New York, and now the whole world loves and listens to jazz. So. Um, I feel like it's kind of our duty to make sure that we're teaching our students this great art form that um, the pioneers of jazz have developed and to keep it alive within our country. And um, the third, there's just so many different types of styles of jazz, where it's Latin jazz or fusion or even jazz that has a really strong classical element to it. We found that with our students, there's really so many different styles of jazz that our students can find multiple different types that they really enjoy listening to. So some might not really be into Dixieland, but they really like some of the newer fusion with Christian Scott or Marquise Hill, or some might be really into bebop and might not be into some of the more modern kind of styles or subgenres. So those are kind of like the three main aspects. I feel like jazz can really have a strong impact on students' lives. And that's why we feel like it's very important to be teaching to our students. So you have a number of programs involved with Jazz Empowers. There's also a group piano. You also have bucket drumming classes. And first of all, what, what are bucket drumming classes? We basically have a model K through 12 model that we're implementing for jazz education. So in ideal world, if we had students from kindergarten through 12th grade, we'd do a heavy focus on bucket drumming in kindergarten through first or second grade. And essentially what that is, is we give them buckets and we teach them basic rhythms, basic grooves. We teach them swing, basic swing rhythms, like a ride cymbal pattern, you know, on the bucket drum. And we also teach them other types of grooves, popular music. We have them play along with recordings to really get that sense of rhythm because 
if we're looking long term with their musical development, we really want to make sure they have that strong sense of rhythm all the way from the beginning into kindergarten. And then second, third, fourth grade, we kind of try to switch them over to group piano. So they start having that melodic and harmonic foundation. And then fifth grade, that's when we try to really push our jazz band options. So at that point, they're physically kind of big enough to start playing a lot of the wind instruments, the rhythm section instruments, besides piano. And ideally, if they have had that two, three years of bucket drumming, two, three years of group piano, they're gonna have a really strong rhythmic, melodic and harmonic foundation that's going to set them up for success when they pick their new instrument for jazz band. And of course, like always, or typically, and I may be wrong on this, but jazz band per se are where you would have middle school and high school performers rather than K through middle school. Uh, you're not going to get, you may have some some brilliant uh, <laughs> Uh, seven-year-old that just blows the socks off of everyone. But essentially, though, it's generally uh, the middle school through high school for band. Yeah, typically in most band programs across the country, there's like general music for elementary school and then middle school, fifth or sixth grade, depending on what city you're in. When middle school starts, that's when the band program starts and you start to be able to play those jazz band instruments and jazz bands are being started in middle school and high school. So is one of the goals then to have these bands uh, get to a point where they're so passionately committed to it that they want to reach out and become part of band competition around the country? Because you've already uh, mentioned the uh, essentially Ellington program, and I'm sure there are other band competitions is that what a lot of the students strive for or just chomping at the bit to get involved with? Yeah, definitely. That's something we feel like is a really important aspect of their development is just being on the first, you know, if they're starting off from scratch, just be able to play concerts for, you know, if it's two or three songs for their assembly, school assembly, or for a parent group, then going on to playing like a full concert and then going on to different jazz festivals and, um, we have some band directors that we support that have applied and become finalist bands at Jazz and Lincoln Center's essentially Ellington competition, which is a transformational experience, uh, experience for those students. Just being able to learn the music of Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Benny Carter at such a high level is impactful alone, but then also being able to participate in all the amazing resources that Jazz and Lincoln Center offers as part of the competition. It's a three-day experience. I was lucky enough to go to the competition two times when I was in high school, and it really showed me the possibilities of going into jazz as like a career. I made a big impact. So those national festivals are definitely something for our more advanced bands that we try to push, but there's also lots of really great regional festivals that our students can learn a lot from our First and second year charter school programs in New York City sometimes go and play at the middle school jazz festival put on by Brooklyn Music School. And that's a great experience for them to just be able to hear other middle school jazz bands around the country. Usually our main instructor in New York brings a couple different bands. So we have all of our jazz and power students sitting together and they can talk from about Mr. Fernandez and how their jazz band is and how it's different 
um, their jazz band, the Bronx is different than their peers jazz band in Brooklyn. And, and music does lend itself to other aspects of life and your development and, and teaches so many things. Uh, I, I, I love the fact that on your website for Jazz Empowers, you, you point out that there is evidence that music participation in schools generally leads to things like college entrance exams, scores uh, being improved by 16%, uh, GPAs by 15%, and this is the key for me, uh, is graduation rates by 51%. So it, it does give you a full round education and a life experience. Yeah, definitely. And that study that you just quoted was from National Public Schools back in, I believe, 2014. And that was just for students having one year of music in high school, and you already see those benefits. So that's something that we're really trying to preach is just having some music can make such a huge difference. And then especially if you get students that are really invested and kind of make it their thing in high school or middle school that they're really passionate about, then those numbers skyrocket. A lot of times if you go to band programs across the country, the school, the highest group of ACT or SAT scores are going to come from the band program, Mm -hmm. um, which is probably a variety of different factors. The cognitive benefits from playing an instrument, the dedication and grit that it takes to learn an instrument that applies, goes on to their other studies. But there's just so many benefits from learning music and learning jazz, which is why we're really passionate about bringing it to as many schools as we can. Well, you have an incredible advisory board. Uh, The people that are on your advisory board are, are a stellar cast of jazz musicians. How about doing a little name dropping for us? Yeah, so we have a pretty good variety of amazing jazz artists that um, are on our advisory board. Miguel Zenon, Terrell Stafford, Michael Deese, Allison Miller, Lakeisha Benjamin, Bob Mincer. We have a lot of really great jazz musicians. That's something we started at the beginning of 2020, just having an advisory board essentially kind of higher profile jazz musicians that really play the music at a high level so we can sound ideas off them to make sure that the content that we're presenting in rehearsals to our students is the most impactful and it's just been amazing just to see the buy-in from those amazing jazz musicians that are incredibly busy and just willing to volunteer their time to support what we're doing at jazz empowers and we're just super grateful for all, all their help that they do. You folks do it all. It seems like you not only have developed a curriculum and programs uh, that are sent out to these 25, 26 different states around the country, but uh, you also provide instruments uh, as a part of the program as well. Yes, most of the instruments that we provide are for our charter school program because since we're part, starting programs from scratch, there's no instruments at the school. So we provide instruments for the students in that program and then occasionally for some of the band directors that we support if they have a specific instrument that they need. Like one of the great band directors that we support, Dr. Ollie Liddell, who teaches at Memphis Central High School here in Tennessee, um, reached out last year, or actually this year, and needed a 
upright base. So we were able to kind of gather some of our donors together at our gala and raise funds to put together a brand new base for them. So that's something that we're always looking for instruments. We can always upgrade instruments, always looking for new instruments. So if anybody, if you have a trumpet or trombone, any instrument sitting around in a closet that you'd like to donate, feel free to check out our website because we can definitely match that up with a school pretty much right away since there is such mm -hmm. a need for instruments within our charter schools and within the band directors that we support in our program. Well, and I think that's important, too, that, that people need to understand that in order to support Jazz Empowers, you don't have to take your checkbook out necessarily. There are other ways to help, and one being instruments. Any other ways that people can volunteer or help through the guidance of your program? Yeah, definitely. Um, so like you said, donations are a big thing. Instrument donations are a huge help. And then if you want to volunteer, we're pretty, we don't have a lot of administrative staff. So there's definitely a lot of different opportunities for people to volunteer, whether it's, you know, writing out music and finale, whether it's um, kind of getting contact info for different schools on a spreadsheet, a lot of stuff that you can do directly from your house. So feel free to just go to our website and reach out. And um, if you're interested, we'd love to have you volunteer in that capacity. And we're all also always looking for board members, which are volunteers that govern our organization. And traditionally, we've only had board members in Nashville, but we're looking to expand that to board members from across the country now that we're a little bit more national. So if you're interested in that, you can definitely reach out and through our website and we can provide you more information to see if that's a good fit as well. So Andrew, how would our listeners find out more about Jazz Empowers? Yes, definitely. So you can visit our website, which has a lot of different resources and information at jazzandpowers.org, or we're pretty heavily involved on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. If you search Jazz and Powers, it'll show up and you can follow us. If you go to our website, you can sign up for our email newsletter, which is a great way to get monthly updates on what our students are up to and how you can potentially help out and join and impact the students in our programs. Well, what a wonderful period of time to spend with you today, uh, Andrew. This is important work that you're doing, and uh, I hope that it will continue to flourish and grow as time moves on. It's a great thing. Uh, you are in the midst of a noble cause, and you need to be commended for that. You know, and I, I'm going to leave it with a look at what your vision is for Jazz Empowers. And I, I think it says it all, and, and I think it's really important. And the vision is that one day all students in America will have the opportunity to learn, to love, and to play jazz. Doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, that's, that's our big overarching goal and kind of drives everything that we do. We really want to make sure every student in America eventually will have the opportunity to learn, love, and play jazz directly in their public school. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on, Alan. Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz with Andrew Johnston, the Executive Director of Jazz Empowers. We'd like to thank Ben Sedrin for the use of Mr. P's Shuffle as our theme song. And visit us again next time for another interesting conversation on All That's Jazz. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on the streaming service you use. All That's Jazz is available on every major streaming app, including Podbean, 
Apple Podcast, and Spotify, as well as Facebook and online at allthatsjazz.net.